and welcome to the Moonwise Lunar Forecast for November 26th through December 25th, 2019. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and today we'll check in with Susan Lipschitz of Everyday Medicine Woman as she takes a look at the upcoming month and gives us her take on the astrological, lunar, and collective energies that we're experiencing. In this forecast, Susan shares insights about Sagittarius as we dream into the last month of the decade amid holidays and opportunities to get inspired for the future. She advises us to clear old resentments and own our knowledge. She provides writing prompts and recommendations for stones, flower essences, and a ritual to work with the energy of the month. I want to take a moment to thank all of our Patreon subscribers who helped to make the Moonwise podcast possible. If you enjoy the show and find value in this community, please consider subscribing at patreon.com slash moonwise, where I'm sharing writing prompts, digital downloads, behind the scenes videos, and other treats. Hi, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Well, we are approaching holiday season. We're getting closer to the heart of winter. And we finally emerged from Mercury retrograde. So I'm excited to hear about where we are in terms of our relationship personally and collectively with what's happening up in the stars. I think it's safe to say that that last Mercury retrograde, and I feel like we say that every time we talk about a retrograde season, but um, this one was really challenging. And we talked about that in the last uh, podcast, and it proved itself to be uh, just what we thought, that there would be uh, a very compelling experience of elements of our shadow uh, really um, being being visible for us and being on our path and um, expressing uh, itself. And I was thinking more about that notion of shadow and remembering, and I might have mentioned this, but, uh, you know, those there's those uh, little um, videos that come up on Instagram or Facebook or social media, where it's when little kids first discover their shadow and how they're kind of horrified and scared and like, what is that? And it's so big and it's following me. Um, and we laugh, but it it's kind of like that where when elements of ourself gets illuminated that we don't see, it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. It's just, it's hidden. It's hidden from us. And then at first when we see it, it's a bit distorted. So once we get to know what it is, we can run with it. We can dance with it. We're in partnership with it. It's just a part of ourself that's presented in a different way, cast in a different light. Um, and so I think it just keeps taking us by surprise when it's certainly, for lack of a better word, it does um, scare us or it confuses us in that way and we don't really know how to handle it. Um, but I think for everyone, there's there's been a real sense of part of our personal responsibility to take care of what is really creating obstacles or creating kind of challenges for us. And the more we can come into a collaborative experience with it, as opposed to feeling victimized by it, um, or feeling that it's too big to handle uh, and get calm with it. And I think that's been the other part is our nervous system uh, and our emotional bandwidth for many reasons, you know, politically and what's going on in, you know, planetary wise and what's going on in our, just our personal experiences, it doesn't leave us much capacity to um, get calmer and to uh, get a sense of perspective. And I think that leading into this 
new moon and this full moon is really going to offer us that, which I'm very happy to report. We're in um, a moment now of a mutable sign polarity, meaning that we have Sagittarius is a mutable fire, and then the full moon will be in Gemini, which is a mutable air. And as we've talked about, mutables have this beautiful flexibility to them, so they help us make sense out of a change if we're coming out of a cardinal sign, or they help us reestablish what's gotten dismantled out of a fixed sign. And we just came out of the, you know, the um, Scorpio, which went through the Mercury retrograde. So it really got shaken in its ability, what's been going on in terms of what Scorpio really handles in those deep water kinds of uh, spaces. And then with Taurus, because Uranus is in there, um, it's definitely getting uh, all of that, those fixed elements of Taurus, you know, that, that un- unmovable uh, kind of energy is really getting blown up. So um, we've really had areas of our life that's gotten shaken. And these two areas are going to say, well, okay, we're just going to, we're going to take you out of those spaces so that you now can get, get the download in a way and get a sense of understanding of the value and the purpose and the importance of um, the shifting that's been going on for you. So in that way, we have this mutable fire sign of Sagittarius, and the new moon is on the 26th, and that will be happening at 9.06 Central Standard Time in four degrees of Sagittarius. It's a really, really beautifully aspected new moon. In this new moon, we're just coming out of a, a beautiful conjugation of, this is where two planets get really close together, and they have a wonderful meetup or a little bit of a sort of a connection, and in this case, we almost say it's like a kiss, where um, uh, of Jupiter and Venus had this wonderful moment together, because Venus is just about to move in to Capricorn, and uh, Jupiter is leaving a year-long um, experience of being in home with, um, with in Sagittarius and is going to be moving in on the 2nd of December into Capricorn. And we've already talked about how Capricorn is really stacked with these heavy hitter outer planets. And we'll be talking more about that later. And every astrologer and everywhere you look, um, there's just ta- a lot of conversation about what's going to be happening in 2020 because of this particular connection and collaboration together. But this is a moment where we're bringing all that we've been through into that space. And so with this beautifully aspected new moon, this new moon, because Sagittarius is, it's the lightest of the fire signs. It's it's a fire sign that has, um, it has courage and it has spark, but it doesn't have the kind of, um, it's very much a leadership, but it's, it's like a forward thinking future possibility it's it's a it the leadership has to do with let it as it relates to let's let's dream let's inspire let's um move up and elevate ourselves so that we can get a new philosophy we can get a perspective we can really get a sense of knowledge and so from that point of view it doesn't have that same drive that a fire sign will, uh, where it's sort of saying we have to make a difference uh, or we have to express our our courage or our bravado um, in that sense in our interactive world. It kind of likes to uh, be in that space of wonder. So when you're talking to a Sagittarian, they're thinking about the future. 
they're dreaming about where they're going to go next, what they're going to read next, um, what's exciting and interesting. So one of the difficulties is sometimes Sagittarians almost look past you because they're looking at the whole room, you know, um, they're like, well, who else is at the party? And what else is going on? And so it can almost feel like, are you really present for what's happening? And they are, it's just they're drinking it all in. Everything is just so beautiful and buoyant. You know, Jupiter expands, and that's the planet that rules them. So in that sense, wherever Jupiter is in our needle chart, and wherever Jupiter is in the sky, and it's been in Sagittarius all year. So it's just taking together and saying, let's Let's really illuminate and let's conclude what is it we've learned. And then as it moves up, which we'll talk in a minute about the full moon in Gemini, it says, how do you take the knowledge you've acquired and disseminate it out so it informs your life in bite-sized doses or you can communicate it or you can share it? Um, The one difficulty with uh, Sagittarius is that Jupiter is considered to be like the guru of the sky because it teaches it can feel like instead of saying, this is a truth that we've come to understand, sometimes when you have Sagittarians around you or depending on where it is or if you're one, it can feel like it's the truth. So sometimes people will go, hey, your truth is your truth. It's not the one truth. And that's what we've been dismantling in that idea, you know, from a guru point of view or a hierarchy that, you know, this is, um, it's a beautiful It's a beautiful truth, but truth is subjective, and we're always kind of defining and understanding that truth grows and truth dismantles uh, depending on where we've grown in our life. And so we have to stay a little bit, as we would say, mutable with what that is. So that's sort of a a bit of a challenge. Um, But it's a beautiful, sparkly, and it's also trining... Um, it's trining Neptune in this new moon and Neptune's in Pisces. So it really, again, has that wonderful, lyrical, dreamy, um, romantic sense around life is beautiful. So we need a dose of that because we've really been like, life is challenging and life is hard. Um, this, this, so it's like a fire arrow launching us out of that dark, shadowy muck, for lack of a better word, to higher ground but almost like it takes us up in a magic carpet ride up into the sky. And when, I, when we work with some of these aspects or some of these signs, like with Sagittarius or Aquarius, it makes me always think about Akashic or the Akashic realm, which again, in the Vedic or in um, translated uh, from that ancient uh, perspective, it translates into the cosmic sky cosmic sky realm. So I love that when I think about, you know, Sagittarius is that it takes us up to the stars. And, you know, all traditions talk about that our origin is the stars and our return is to the star beings. So when you think about that and say, oh, this is so beautiful that remember we're stardust. And so when we um, reflect into that notion of what are we made of and philosophically or attitudinally, just go really high up into, oh yeah, our source is the star beings. Our source is, is, is that which is beyond. And that's a really beautiful reminder when we've been going through all that we've been going through. So I do think that it's, it's got a beautiful sort of reset capacity in it. Um, and because we've been coming out of this deep scorpionic experience, um, water signs can keep us in the past, like a little nostalgic, or and especially with the retrograde, it really brought us through that past um, kind of warp 
uh, experience of, of what we've been through or what we experience or through our bodies and cellular kind of memory and, and things that we were experiencing. And the earth is, the earth signs are present and the fire signs forge us into on the move. So kind of future forward, like I say, and, and Sagittarius really, really does that. So it's a lantern or a torch. So when we move and, you know, with that new moon, it's the dark moon, right? So we're in that reset moment. So almost feel like if you're light, if you're, writing your intentions for the month or you're thinking about the seeds you want to plant think about your lighting putting almost like you're lighting a lantern first or you're lighting a torch of illumination so before we talked about the shadow but now this is illuminating us into the light and helping the information formulate as i said into the truth or knowing philosophical beliefs the higher knowledge and the learning um, Sagittarius also rules travel, growth. They say with Sagittarius, strangers are friends we haven't met. Sharing someone else's experience of learning them rather than reading about it in a book and making assumptions. So it's got that wonderful kind of process. Sagittarius is not great at finishing things. It doesn't really love to have finished projects. It likes to start them. It gets, I notice with, with um, the Sagittarius energy, like a shooting star or like a torch with a fire, unless it's a eternal torch, so to speak, it can burn out because it's so inspirational. It's got so much um, uh, hope for the future that it can really, um, it's hard to sustain without something else that keeps feeding it, you know? So we have to keep remembering uh, this. But for, for something that we're just moving through for a month, it's actually quite beautiful. And again, because we, this is the last week in this first as we're building up to that first quarter moon. It's really the last week that we're going to be having this experience of uh, the enhancement of Jupiter in Sagittarius before it changes signs. So it's a really important moment to take stock around um, what is it we've really learned from this year? What has gotten expanded or, or, or um, uh, a bigger picture or, or a life lesson or life experience, because it's been, you know, I'd say, a, um, you know, a, a really formidable year around uh, learning about ourselves and learning about our lives and the changes that we've gone through and the changes that our world has gone through and our politic has gone through. So it's, it's a moment where we're saying goodbye uh, in visiting those 12 months and getting ready to move into this new cycle. And it was interesting because I was listening last night to Bill Moyer, who was talking about it, you know, and he is someone who really reflects on trends and then also with a, with a mind towards the future. So he looks a lot at what are our, our individuals, philosophers speaking about the world, current, you know, the currents and the trends, and then what does it tell us about the future? And he was talking about that the rebuilding of our republic is going to have to do more in that more as it relates to really being willing to own the truth, you know, own the truth about our history that we've whitewashed, own the truth about what we've hidden, own the truth about what we've taken advantage of, that it is only through us embodying and really taking responsibility of saying, yes, this is what's brought us here, that we can create a new republic around a country and the world that is truly matches what we're worthy of as a people moving forward in our ancestors. And it really struck me as the moment of what we can do for ourselves to be honest with ourselves, 
so that we can um, say what is worthy and valuable to move forward. So I thought that was was really beautiful in a life direction and in a peacemaking about where we are. So it's a wonderful moon, new moon to celebrate, to dream, and uh, like I said, this wonderful sweet trine. Um, and to make sense out of this change and to begin to, um, you know, we talk a lot and we talked last time about cleansing, a lot of cleansing, but I think this is the area that I think we, we really have to do the most consideration of that um, Sagittarius really helps us with is our thought field and what we've considered to be truth that really isn't truth and what belief systems show up in um, uh, thoughts that are voices in our mind. And it reminded me again of um, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote, you know, The Four Agreements. But the book, my favorite book that he wrote about this, The Voice of Knowledge, it's a small book. It's a practical guide to inner peace. And he really speaks to that the place we find peace is in our mind. Because, which we know in terms of meditation and mindfulness and all that, but really doing um, uh, an exploration of what thoughts bring us down, what thoughts squash this this inspired um, potential that we feel, which ones tell us we can't do that, which ones tell us that's not who we are. We all have an intense identification at an ego level with who we've known ourselves to be. And so that's really, really can shut us down. And this is a time as we move into um, 2020 where it's saying, don't bring that ego identification with us because that's the biggest limiter more than anything. I mean, there are real things in our life that we have to struggle with and that we are boxed in with, but we don't need to box ourselves in through our mind. So I think this is the consideration where we can, um, and I believe that this particular connection with Jupiter right now as we move into this new moon. You know, this Venus is two to, is, is zero degrees Capricorn at this new moon, just coming out, as I talked about, about that connection or meet up with Jupiter. And Jupiter's at the last degree of um, being in Sagittarius. Any last degree sign is saying it wants to deliver some information that's karmic, it's intense, it's important. So at this new moon or this first week of this moon lunation, I would really pay attention to what we get in our dreams, what we notice in our life that says, this is really clear to me. Write it down. It's wonderful energy of, um, of aspirational understanding. So it's a time to start to almost think about what, who are we, if we were an adventure, if we were an adventure story, What's our adventure taking us into and what's our adventure leading us out of? Um, getting some perspective so we can be aspirational about ourselves um, in this way. So it's delivering us guidance about our life direction and it's giving us a guidance about peacemaking, about saying why, you know, I don't want to, I just don't want to put my energy in keeping it uh, informed by what is sort of hijacking my emotional body, right? So what I think is really cool about this new moon, we've been talking about the Sabian symbols, you know, those symbols that are associated with all of the, every single degree in the zodiac. This one is an owl in a tree. And Pallas Athena is very close to this new moon. And Athena is strategic business. She, like we've talked about, she's a warrior. She birthed from the third eye of Zeus, and she, she is a strategic warrior. She's not interested in being a warrior. She's interested in commanding um, 
and moving into having the ability, whether we, not so much talking about business as we relate it in a very limited way in our life, but the business of life. She can hold court. And so she comes with a helmet on, and she also comes with her spirit guide is an owl, because the owl sees in the dark. The owl has a bigger picture. The owl um, can move in a 35-degree range, you know, the owl's head. So the owl is, is sees beyond her, and the owl reports back. The owl is her third eye. So if we think about adjusting our vision to the Sabian symbol of the owl, and think about us as attuning to that part of us as Pallas Athena that can hold court in our life, in a detached way, the business of life, the mastery of life, What's so connected with this is that because Capricorn is the business of life and Capricorn is um, creating strategies that is legacy-based and that is socially responsible to ourselves and to others, which we're moving into, this particular new moon is saying, beautiful, before you are required and requested to really build out your life, you know, just move up to this wonderful perspective, up to the high highest tree, and start to just see, see what the owl sees, and how beautiful that is in a place of ease. And that's really inspiring, you know, because to have that strategist, we still have Mars and Scorpio, by the way, and it is still opposite Uranus in Taurus. So it's not being slammed anymore by the retrograde. So from that point of view, now Mars gives us the momentum to move with our power at a very deep level, because Scorpio is, when it's in its highest form, it really connects us with power, connects us with merging, connects us with um, our sensuality, our sexuality, and our ability to um, be embodied in who we are. And Uranus opening up uh, Taurus says, hey, you can really, really open up in areas where you have felt really impacted and felt like you couldn't. So even though it's opposing each other, it's not opposing each other in a way that we felt more slammed last month. So it's also informed by this month, meaning that as we get this information that is more aspirational, that makes us feel more excited, that sort of says to us, all things are possible, we can really start to dream and plan, we can really have strategic approaches to these shifts and changes and the stabilization we want to uh, instill these um, commitments to. It reminds me of, you know, how in some of the sacred temples, you would see them on the outside or the inside. They would imbue the philosophies into what the actual houses or temples were. Like this is really true in Tibetan Buddhism where they would take all of the written um, traditions and teachings of Buddhism and bring and and um, write them and then put them inside the walls so that it informed when the walls got built. And this is true of like the petroglyphs or the symbols. When you go to like sacred sites, you see them in the symbols of uh, all the symbols around uh, the sacred sites. So it's really pretty cool when you think, okay, if I was going to build out, like when I start to move into to the Capricorn aspects of my life next month and then in 2020, how do I symbolically want to imbue my philosophy of life, what I believe in, what I stand for, what's important to me at that aspirational level? 
like in, even in Judaism, the Torah is inside the house of the temple. So that's what, what, you know, the Quran, whatever it might be, the book of life. So how do you want to know in this month, write down what your true aspirational belief systems are or what your philosophy towards life is. It doesn't have to be what organized religion says. It's what we believe, what we stand for. And then how do we communicate those? And then how do we instill those symbolically somehow? Even if you imagined you actually put them in your home or where you lived or where you worked, symbolically, that's why I think it's so beautiful to look for symbols that mean that for us. And then we have them or we create them in our art or in the tonkas that we buy, you know, like the, or the crocheted, you know, um, and that is very, very, uh, the boon now is um, the embroideries and the crocheting of the mottos. Like, in a way, it's a, it's like the old shields, you know, what we stand for. And we have them. And then we just look at them and they immediately respond to us and letting us know that we we're, our truth is all around us, right? So that's kind of cool when we think about that. Uh, so I would say this is a great month to consider something like that as a project, um, to write a new philosophy for ourselves, to also... Um, you know, the other thing is, while we're having all these aspirational and it's Sagittarius and all this good stuff, we're still digesting because uh, even though the retrograde ended, Mercury is going now through the same terrain it went through in the retrograde. So it's just not retrograde. So it's moving at a fast clip, um, but it's still saying, hey, I'm going to still send you some information, which is why when we get to this full moon in Gemini, Gemini's the oracle, Gemini's Mercury, it's going to give us a big download. So again, just to understand that we're still bringing to understanding to its fullest what we've been through. Well, I just love that idea of writing down your philosophy of life and what you stand for, especially going into a year that for some reason feels like just by the numbers, like 2020, this is what many of us have imagined the future would be. So, you know, what what are we trying to build? You know, what, what is guiding us in this time that feels like pretty epic? <laughs> yes. And so as we're talking about that, the other feature, you know, there's just so many layers to these aspects of how the, where the planets are transiting and how they're speaking to one another. But another facet of this is, uh, which we've talked about before, Chiron is that wound and the remedy for the wound. And we've talked about that with the fact that it went in this year to uh, Aries and how that's activated so much activism with um, because Aries is young and new and fresh and let's forge and let's move and let's break down. So in Hong Kong and all of the, um, you know, that we, we've had go on in the fall with the climate change march and Greta Thurberg and all the youth um, guardian uh, stewards that are all coming forward and really dismantling and changing um, and in our lives. But it's also saying because Aries, Another formulation with Aries is be your unique self. Do not subscribe to somebody else's identity, which we're also seeing with this coming out of, you know, binary and informed kinds of, energy, you know, um, uh, platforms and circumscribed ideas of who we are and getting blasted open on every single level. So with that in mind, that's also in play when we talk about our philosophy of life, when we also talk about you need to be uniquely you. You need to, to have an identity that is less informed about what the world sees and more informed by what you, who you really are. So it's going to strip away and fall 
and let us fall away and disconnect from. It, it kind of reminds me of, I was thinking about this too when we talk about disconnecting from or we talk about cord cutting, like disconnecting from who we no longer are or people, places, and things, that I had an image of it similar to um, an umbilical cord with our placenta. So the placenta is, is what keeps us alive, right, when we're in utero. But once we come out of utero, it has no value to us we now have to learn how to integrate out in the world, but how we get fed and, you know, our life source. Um, and so, you know, that sense of cutting the cord from that which used to affirm us and life, you know, keep us alive. And now we have to cut that cord and create the cord into the earth or create the cord into what sustains us and gives us life. What is life affirming? So to think about that, there's, we're carrying something that used to be life affirming, but it isn't life affirming any longer. Uh, and there's an illusion or distortion in that. And I think that that's a part of this journey, you know, as well as we're, as we're closing up the year. So as we start to then move in, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the full moon. So this is where we get, um, think about this, that, that on 12-12, when we move into that full moon, um, it's in the morning, I believe it's at 10 o'clock again, Central Standard, we move into, it's a, a full moon in Gemini, Gemini's mutable air, it's, it's a very fast-moving, um, at the mental field, it's conversational information, curiosity, connecting with other people, um, but at 12-12, it's the feast day of Virgin Guadalupe. So it's a beautiful day to open up and to honor um, that energy of the cosmic mother. So whatever that means to you, especially for, for women who are reanimating our sense of the sacred feminine in whatever form, men certainly carry this as well. This is not about, you know, this is not about religion. This is about that cosmic mother energy. It's just a beautiful day to in some way honor um, that sense of celebration and um, you know, the other thing is we sometimes think of this one-way street is what is the universe kind of flowing through us and giving through us like a descending principle. And we always have to think about what are we giving back? How are we honoring the invisible realm? And we've talked about that. So in this moment to say, how do I honor the cosmic universal mother, that maternal energy? And so, you know, red roses, rose symbolizes the the cosmic mother. So it's a beautiful moment, whether we bless them and put our prayers and we bring them out into the area that we live, or we make a little altar or something of that area, if that resonates with anyone, it's, it's just a beautiful, potent day to do that. Um, but it's also a very powerful cycle. We start there because we're moving into the waning moon. And in that cycle, if we think about it, it is the last full moon of the decade. So remembering it's 2019, it's the decade. So we're going into 2020. So we're rolling into a new decade. So this is the last full moon. So everything's coming into fullness, not only this year, but think about the cycle of fullness for, the, for this 10-year cycle. So from that point of view, it's very big. So this full moon is going to be quite beautiful in its full fullness. So it's a beautiful time not only to do that cosmic sort of reflection and animation, but then think of the moon surrounding you in the full sphere of your auric field or being elevated into that beautiful, almost like a snow globe, you know, of this beautiful energy of, of what you're being informed by and how you feel. It's just, it's, it's really an extraordinary, um, everything coming into fullness. And to work with that in that last 
full moon or decade, um, you know, in that sense of when we're, we're moving through there. And so it reminded me also uh, in that sense, because then we're going in from there as the, you know, as we talk about the release of the full moon and we start the waning process. So again, if we think about the roses as each petal falls from the rose, it's releasing an element of what, like I talked about, what we are separating from, what we are grateful for that is just now sort of alchemizing or it's going to, uh, you know, fall like a snowflake and dissolve into, again, once again, the earth uh, in that way. And so it's it's just a, a beautiful time to start to think about what am I preparing myself for? What am I, um, you know, letting go of? Uh, in that sense. As we're in that full moon, though, it's also an interesting, powerful moment because uh, as all of the planets have been, you know, continuing on their own journey and where they link up together, Venus has now moved, not only is she in Capricorn, but she's moved into a placement where she's between Saturn and um, Pluto. So if we think about Venus, and we think about Venus as our values, our want, our desire, and she is uh, brokering in some ways between these two really heavy hitter planets and saying, okay, whatever you start to do in 2012, I just want you both to, I want this perspective of let it all come from our heart. Let it all be moved from our want, our desire, what we care about. So in a way, if Venus is our our feminine nature in that sense of our deeper sort of love that she's conveying a tremendous at this full moon with the Virgin Guadalupe, with this sense of the cosmic feminine up into the sky. She's all saying to these elements that are going to be these, these planets that are moving us into 2020 for major reconstruction of systems and uh, Republic, so to speak. She's saying, Hey, do remember the heart, remember what we care about. Remember um, that perspective of the generational shifts that we want to do better with. However, we would ascribe what her message might be, and her message is our message. So it's a death to our old self as we're moving into this waning moon and how we want to really rebirth. Because as we move into the new moon, which we'll talk about next month, it's the last new moon of the decade. It's on Christmas Day. And um, it is a solar eclipse. And we've talked a lot about those nodes of Cancer and Capricorn. It's the last eclipse with Capricorn on Christmas Day. And so it's going to be a powerful new moon that we're moving into. And with that powerful a new moon, we always prepare the month for. So even though we're in the new moon in Sag, there is some element saying, and just remember we're moving in and preparing us for that really important new moon a month ahead. So think about us elevating into the cosmic sky, seeing the bigger picture of our life, feeling into the resiliency of everything that we've done. And, um, and, and so then as we move into these changes, we do it from a place of believing in ourself, of um, you know what we know we're capable of, and the vision that we want to take into what we're kind of like when we move up the mountain and then we go down the mountain, we want to carry the vision with us. We want to carry how good it felt to be up there. And we don't want to forget like the owl up there. We don't want to forget what we saw and even what we saw in a very difficult way. We want to remember the lessons. We want to remember what we care about and bring all of that and inform that and imbue that 
Um, it also reminded me of, I just was listening to it the other day, um, you know, Rising Appalachia, the, that group, they're so great. And they have that song, Resilient. And I love when they just, when they talk about the world was made for me, so I'm going to try my luck. And then they do this repeated uh, version where they talk about, I got my roots down deep and they make, you know, and then that I'm going to have that mighty roar. I love it. It's sort of our theme song, I think, in some ways, because it's very inspiring. The world was made for me. And it talks about where, you know, connected to the stars and the earth, like what we're a part of. And I'm going to try my luck. And I thought about Jupiter because Jupiter and Sagittarius is very much it's a lucky, fortuitous placement. So when we have this new moon now, just go big and going, there is good fortune. There is, think about all the things that we've really for, sort of felt like, you know, we've, we've had a lot of gratitude for where there has been a sense of, you know, luck that's been associated with what we've been through as well as the grit that we've had to connect with um, and how we want to, um, you know, just feel, feel a sense of, of connection to that. And so when we get back to the new moon, the Sagittarius rules hips, liver, thighs, pituitary, sciatic nerves. Remember, um, you know, the pituitary is a master gland. It helps us, uh, say, stay online. When the pituitary goes offline, everything sort of collapses in our system. So we, um, when we think about that, uh, the like the hips and the thighs, it lets us move long distances. So when we think of horses, for example, you know, what, what gets them through? And it's like, well, their legs, their thighs, you know, that, that very, um, those very big muscles in our bodies. So Sagittarius can help us in that sense of the longer distances. Um, and it can help us stay in that way, um, keep us in good standing with our lives. So it's just sort of thinking in medical astrology, how that connects. And also, you know, it's, if the, if the liver's involved, that's, the liver can be fiery and the liver can have resentment. So this is where we want to really, again, just keep thinking about don't carry old resentments, clear them, make peace with them. I know you have some recommendations for stones and flower essences and also some ritual recommendations and some questions for folks to do some deeper thinking about that vision that we're talking about. Yeah. So I think with, um, I'll work backwards and say that I think in terms of ritual, I actually think more that. Um, like we talked about, the prompts will be helpful. Um, but I also think I would I would encourage everybody to work symbolically. In other words, um, not just through language and not just through literal words, but but to symbolically to look for, as we talked about, symbols that represent what we believe in and what we care about, and to look at the even the art that's in our home, or um, and and really see does all of that reflect for us. Um, what we want to reflect and what we want to be feeding in our way. And do we want to even create collages around some of the prompts and the symbolic level of those could really be interesting, you know, as well. Um, in terms of uh, the stones that I think uh, when we're working with these areas of, of um, Sagittarius, which is the vision and um, Gemini, which is the, the words or the communication that we're kind of, you know, looking at those fifth and sixth chakras. So with that in mind, we're looking at the, the range of blue. So any kind of blue stones that you have, if you're interested in working with, like um, sky blue stones, so those might be, I, my very favorite is blue lace agate. They're not expensive and they're so beautiful. Chardonnay is another beautiful blue. Um, blue topaz has a lot of clarity. Um, 
sapphires are gorgeous, and lapis is also, because it's got all those gradations, it's got like the silver and the blue with interspersed with some um, little gold flecks sometimes. And so those are really lovely stones, and they can uh, we can then imbue and anchor in some of these beliefs and some of the things that we care about, so those stones can be really great. Um, in terms of the flower essences, some uh, one I thought of was Lady Slipper Yellow, because Lady Sip- Slipper Yellow can be one where we feel absolutely exhausted, like uh, we're physically exhausted and we've lost our relationship to our juice, to our mojo, to our creative self. And it helps restore the root chakra up. So that, since we've been through all of this the last few months, and especially with the retrograde, it might, for anybody who's feeling that way, you know, it might resonate with you for that level. Um, Lilac reanimates the muse. So think of yourself as, what in me is my muse? What art and what music is my muse? Remember, we've got this beautiful trine. So like, let, uh, I can't say enough for music, right, to be inspiring for us, art color, um, what uh, theater, um, anything that really inspires us and inspires the muse within us to start to express herself again, to become active within us. Um, larch, again, we've talked about larch, opens up our, our expression. It, it's when we feel too edited in our voice and our creativity has been shut down, larch will open so that we have more of a spontaneous ability to say what we feel to act in a way that feels coming from our natural sort of creativity. So it works with our third chakra and our fifth. And Shasta Daisy has this ability to remember the whole instead of the parts. So when we think of the daisy, it's all of the petals and then the center of the petal. So with that in mind, even looking at mandalas or um, anything that has um, the whole, that all the parts in it, but the whole, and then what is the vision that we see from the whole? And then what do we notice as the parts of the whole? So sometimes even doing those meditations where we're looking at the whole of something and then we start to articulate what those separate ingredients are. Or like, Dorothea, you do those gorgeous flower uh, mandalas that you have on your Instagram pages that you have. And I would say, look at Dorothea's Instagram page because she's got these gorgeous. uh, And they're very simple and yet they're, they really create a different sort of sacred geometrical kind of experience, right, I, from the experience to our visual field. And so this is all sacred geometry, and it becomes from two-dimensional to multi-dimensional. So if we really want to work with that in this moment of this new moon, I think that's the way to go, is just because it illuminates us as, um, you know, it, it, as all of us being these multi-dimensional beings in a very easy way without overthinking it, and then we can... It, it activates it, though, like the owl up in the tree. So it's perspective. So I would say sort of work with that. You can even do a journey where you're imagining you're an owl up in the tree or you're imagining you're looking out of your window from the highest point, and what would you see below? So it's work with your perceptions. It's that shamanic way of seeing. Work with your perceptions in that way. I think that's really a lovely way to open up the symbols in the sky. Um, the other one that I would say that that can be an interesting flower essence, if you're noticing that one of the things you're you're really getting hung up with with your ego identification is maybe guilt or worthiness, like I don't have the right to, or you're feeling a lot of guilt about maybe the change you would make in your life, and do I have a right to make those changes, or who would I leave behind, that um, pine which is also an interesting time of the year because pine trees and all that we, we're connected to with winter, 
but pine really shifts a lot of that um, uh, guilt that really we can feel like we keep reanimating and self-blaming. So I think pine can be an interesting flower essence to help calm all of that as well. In terms of some prompts, um, see if any of these resonate. I am no longer. Just see what comes forward. I am no longer. I am breaking up with. What is no longer life-affirming for me is or includes. I'm stepping away from. I am the one who. I rise when. The news story I'm writing is. And just see what wants to come forward. And like we said, what do I stand for? So those philosophies. So even thinking about if there was one philosophy of life that would really feel like, or even the chapter of my chapter right now, like the chapter that I, I would now, if I actually thought about this month, maybe write, think about this after the new moon, like when I talk about like around uh, December 2nd or 3rd, sort of put that in your calendar or, or put a little notification on your phone and ask yourself now, what is the, if I titled the chapter of what I just went through, what would that chapter title be? Because I think you're going to have more information, like I said, with this dissemination of um, Jupiter now moving into Capricorn and what it wants to tell you. And from that, at that point, Gemini is going to finally be all done with that Mercury um, terrain, and it's going to have a little more to tell you. So we might have more clarity about not so much in the middle of it, where we are still unwinding from the emotional uh, off gases, so to speak, but now we can actually just see the forest from the trees. I think it's going to be a really lovely, um, certainly new moon, and I think that we're we're really going to be elevated into a place of consciousness. Uh, into what we've what we've now moved through through the course of the year. I think we've all grown if we can just tap into it. I think we've all been educated through the school of hard knocks. Uh, and I think that we can really own our knowledge now. don't don't let anyone take that away from you and don't take it away from yourself. You know, you have earned the ability to uh, feel like there's something new that you have come to understand. Just I think we can all just refrain from wanting to, tell everybody that they should think that way too, which is that Sagittarian piece. Uh, and if you need a dose of really looking at some of the stories that we tell ourselves that may be myths, that, you know, that Don Miguel Ruiz book, um, you know, Brene Brown always does that too, the story I'm telling myself and how that's informed by our shame or by um, old trauma form as opposed to where we are now. Um, and that's a lot of what Esther Perel is talking about as well as it relates to desire and love and creating new maps for ourselves at those deep uh, levels of passion and desire. So there's a lot of material out there that's saying, hey, rethink what you've felt defined by. So I guess that's what I would really leave everybody with is challenge what you, your old definitions. Thank you so much, Susan. I love that. And I'm certainly... 
experiencing that. And I'm sure many of us are as this world is shifting so quickly and it's really an opportunity. And thank you so much for those prompts. I think those will be really wonderful to sit with and write down, especially as we know we're getting closer to the new year and 2020. And I'll make sure to put those questions also in our Moonwise Facebook group, which is Moonwise Sisterhood. So if you're not in the group already, and if you are on Facebook, you can search Moonwise Sisterhood, and then you can find those questions and those prompts there. Yeah. And I think too, if anyone's interested, I know this is a very, it's a busy time of year, so it might not feel like right this month is a good time to do this. But um, I do think that this is a, a, a wonderful window of time to do some work in your Akashic field or the, that cosmic sky energy. I think that it can really help support um, anchoring and solidifying some of these uh, broader brushstrokes of our understanding that can then help us to not get caught up in old ways. So I think that that, you know, please feel free to reach out to me at Susan, an everyday medicine woman, and we can set up a Skype session if you're not in Chicago. And I think that if you're called, it can be a very fruitful time of the year to to do that particular work. And speaking of working with Susan, Susan has a beautiful retreat coming up in spring of 2020 that I will definitely be attending in New Mexico. I really invite anyone who feels called to be in circle with women, to be exploring their voice, the voice of their own inner truth around expressing our truth and really getting that nourishment from not only each other as women, but from that more cosmic mother energy, which Susan truly holds and opens the door to, at least for me, very strongly. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, we're, we're really excited. I'm so thrilled you're coming, Dorote, and you're going to be bringing so much beautiful energy to our circle, as you always do, um, and the work that you'll be sharing with us. Actually, on this new moon right now is is the last day to register with a payment plan, but registration will still be open as long as we have spaces. And so the event will be from the 30th of April until May 30th. And the work that we will be doing will be thematically connected to liberating our soul's voice. And, and the voice meaning is a full spectrum experience. So our story and um, doing some work around separating from inherited sorts of um, limited experiences that we carry within our being, opening up to the new stories we wish, we wish to weave and create as a collective and as individuals, as storytellers, as oracles, as leaders, um, and as uh, in the outer world and in the inner world, a richer way to nourish and nurture our worthiness and our beauty and to live from those spaces. And so the, the, um, the ceremony, the rituals, the exercises that we all do are all informed and curated to help support that and with the elements and with ourselves in smaller circles. The land is really beautiful. And, and um, what I love about the retreats that we do because women don't have a lot of money, that I try to not only make the retreat be meaningful spiritually and emotionally, but also physically. So I hope everybody gets pampered and nourished. And the space, the the food is really nourishing and the beds are really luxuriously comfortable and it, we just really get well taken care of and there's we also get this year um there's a lot of activities on the grounds that we they're going to gift us our group so um you know when we're not we always give everybody a little time if you want to go ahead and get a spa treatment which, which yes you pay for but but there's also all kinds of like cute things like 
you can play with puppies and cats and chicks and <laughs> throw hatchets if you want and do some archery and you know um, art making and and just um, there's repose um, small pools with the natural waters of the hot spring you know the natural springs so it, it's a really really beautiful space so um, if you're feeling called uh, I encourage you to be with us and and be part of the each of you are a thread that creates the weaving of a basket of our sacred hoop so I hope you'll be with us and don't hesitate to just go on my website and it'll have a landing page and take you to um, that or there's a link on my um, link tree in uh, my Instagram page so feel free to join us so I'm wishing everyone a very inspired um uh, restorative new moon. I really feel it's going to be that way, and I think we're going to get that. Um, the lights turning on. To just think about, you know, a lot of. I know it's not environmentally the best thing, but all the lights that get turned on in the in the spirit of of this holiday season. Um, and and I also think of gratitude. I, I know that Thanksgiving is really um, a very uh, difficult holiday because there is so much history that's been whitewashed and that we have to do a great deal of truth-telling around that. Uh, it's also come a time where people come together and, and can have a moment of gratitude. So my hope is we can do both. We can we can honor the truth of what we, the price that we've paid to have the abundance that we have and at the same time uh, enjoy the, the gratitude of of what it feels to be able to be together with those that we love. Thank you so much, Susan. And we're all wishing you a beautiful month and we will talk again soon. Absolutely. Until then. Thank you for listening to the show. You can find Susan's work online at everydaymedicinewoman.com and at Susan Lipschitz on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. You can also leave a comment on the Moonwise Sisterhood Facebook group. If you're not in the group yet, just search Facebook for Moonwise Sisterhood and answer two quick questions to join. And if you haven't heard the recent Moonwise episode about storytelling and cultural legacy, I highly recommend giving it a listen. In the episode, I speak with producer and author Joy Donnell about creativity, intention setting, and finding the authentic voice within. We talk about how public speaking can be an experience of relationship and true reciprocity. We discuss privilege, betrayal, and whose story is getting funded in the media today. Listen to that episode and our previous episodes at moontent.co or subscribe to the Moonwise podcast on iTunes. Our theme music is by Sophie Cooper from her album Rewilding, whose amazing work you can find at voicealchemy.com. See you next time.